conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Welcome to Good Morning Hospitality, your one-stop shop for the latest news, noteworthy trends, and thought-provoking discussions across the industry. From hotels and short-term rentals to all things travel and hospitality, you'll find each episode equips you with the information that you need to start your week. Join us on Good Morning Hospitality every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. We made it. Another week. Jamie Lane, how are you doing? Great. Uh, excited to join for another month. I know. How many months have we been doing this now? Since, like, what, August? September? I when think, yeah. This? When I first called in on my commute into our, our Denver office, that was in July. So okay. shortly after that, <laughs> became a regular. Yeah. Thank you for letting me keep my house. I appreciate that. <laughs> I forgot about that bit. Well, it's, uh, it's good to be back. It's good to see you. We look forward to always jumping into the data, into the numbers behind it. Um, there's a lot to cover, obviously, with the new year beginning, the end of last year closing, getting all those numbers together. So I think, Jamie, we're going to make it really easy. Obviously, Industry News, Fecasa, Inspirato, couple layoffs going on in the industry. People are probably worried. But you guys have numbers showing that, you know, obviously bookings are still still happening. We're not we're not going to a dead stop. So uh, I guess I'll let you kind of kick it off with any uh, kind of number updates for the industry. Yeah, start with our, our sort of headline figure for the year. Uh, Sixty two billion dollars uh, earned by U.S. short term rentals in 2022. Uh, huge figure up 25 percent over 2021. Uh, so you said that's just us, that's just us, uh, uh, globally, uh, it was 142 billion. Wow. What is that? Rentalpreneur. (laughs) (laughs) What does that look like across? Like, I don't know, compared to obviously everyone tries to go back to 2019. What was this? Is this a good growth is this more is this more significant like what does this mean for the industry in the whole like high level view so 2019 the industry was at 39 billion wow Uh, so close to double close to double uh the big increase so so yes demands and 
20% higher. There's 10% more listings now than in 2019, which that, if anything, I think surprises most people that the industry just isn't more in terms of listings. Like we talk about this huge increase in supply this year and how it's, and, and there's so many more operators, but uh, 2020, we'd lost so many uh, and we're still building up and just exceeded 2019 levels of supply this year. Uh, and, but the big thing is rate. Uh, so the average rate uh, this year was $315. Uh, wow. And you compare that to where we were at in 2019 at $244. We, and we've just seen massive increases. Uh, inflation's real. Uh, and we, we, as an industry, have done a, a decent job of get, getting more revenue out of guests. Are, are you then forecasting a compression in rate or is this here to stay? Uh, we're not forecasting a compression. And our forecast for next year is up about one and a half percent, but it's and there's definitely risk to the downside uh, that rates come down. Uh, globally, the expectation is for uh, Airbnb's business uh, for their and uh, overall rates to be down next year, uh, but that's more of a uh, impact from global demand coming back. Uh, and that demand coming at much lower rates than actual hosts charging less uh, than they had had in previous years. This is not a stock tip. We are not a financial advice organization. <laughs> so take it for what it's worth. Um, yeah, that number, I actually sent something similar to Will before the show that there was an article AirDNA was cited that stated 54% of Airbnb's short-term rental listings came onto the market since the start of 2020. Yeah. Seems a bit insane. I mean, I get there was a little or a big call of the herd. And this was all about the time that Airbnb was probably trying to clean up all of their active listings because they had so many that were not active. Mm-hmm. But that's a huge jump in fairly tumultuous times, right? Yeah, and and that actually came from a tweet that I sent out uh, a few months ago. Uh, that was my first sort of semi-viral tweet. I think it got like <laughs> <laughs> half a million views or or something like that. Uh, but and it comes from and obviously there's been a whole lot of new supply, but a big part of that too was just the churn we saw during COVID. So in most of the major global cities, like over half the listings sort of moving out of the, uh, out of the ecosystem, uh, people converting their short-term rentals to long-term rentals. Uh, and then, uh, and as supplies come back on supply, it's hasn't been in the same location. So a lot of it has gone to towards small city, rural areas, destination resort markets, um, and we saw the fully seen a recovery of supply in in sort of urban markets. Have um, and I'd imagine you know, Verbo used to own those non-urban markets, but obviously Airbnb is starting to take a good chunk out of that. Is the trend still continuing? Are they still eating up market share, or is it? more or less flat lines like, like some of the other numbers. Yeah. Interesting enough. Uh, Cause the, 
And rule of thumb was, yeah, that uh, Verbo owned these uh, non-urban markets. But if you look at sort of coastal and mountain markets, uh, Airbnb and uh, Verbo in the U.S. had the exact same amount of listings. So they were essentially on par in terms of, uh, of supply. available supply. But Airbnb has grown significantly faster over the past three years than Verbo has. Uh, so like in coastal markets, they had the exact same amount of listings. Uh, Verbo's grown their supply by 30%. Airbnb's grown their supply by 50%. Uh, so can I, Yeah, I was going to ask you, why do you think Verbo's not trying to grow as fast or not trying to like, it just seems like they're not doing as much in the sense of marketing and the sense of anything for their platform compared to it's, what Airbnb's done. You think of innovation that's happened and all the, and we all talk about the Airbnb spring and winter releases, the new things they're doing for categories, making it really easy for uh, uh, owners, operators to add new listings. And then you go through the process of adding a listing on Verbo and the time it takes. The, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It, it's, it's, and, and, they're, they're still not pushing into urban markets. I and mean, even as demand has come back, international travels come back, uh, and it, it doesn't seem like they're making a big push to sort of grow outside of their traditional uh, areas that they're in. Yeah, I think the urban operators, um, they're clamoring for some diversification off of Airbnb. And Verbo is holding very strong on the, we, we aren't an urban market platform. Yeah. Uh, we are mm -hmm. where you take vacations in destinations and rent whole houses and take, you know, multi-generations. Yeah. So kudos to them for holding strong. I wonder how long uh, shareholders are going to let them hold strong on that before they go and try and acquire another business or, or potentially, um, you know, open up a urban segment. They they bought previously two companies, and about a year and a half, two years later, they shut it down uh, during mm -hmm. COVID. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, if you do something, do it really well. Versus well, gonna... what Airbnb historically has done, which is like, let's try everything and let's go build backyard ADU houses and let's you know, build a hotel brand in Japan. Um, let's be an experiences platform, yada, yada. Um, Burbo went the polar opposite direction and said, we're going to shed everything else. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with the complexities you're talking about, Jamie. They don't have the capability to add a bunch of other things to their plate because they're, they've got to get the, the connectivity piece sorted before any additional growth can happen. Well, I'll say the the fun the funny thing is is like you don't hear Verbo being attacked by operators or thought leaders in the space like Airbnb is because of unprofessionalism, right? So I think it may be a downfall on their inventory growth and the stockholders and all this other stuff, but they're not being called out as the unprofessional Airbnbers out there. And the reason why uh, this you know alternative accommodation is so unprofessional and all this other stuff. So they're not getting that bad end of the, of the stick at least. So I would say that's kind of, in my opinion, I would say pretty smart. They're not getting attacked. They're looked, they're looked at as more of a professional platform rather than 
the quote unquote Airbnb host or rentalpreneur, as you said, Michael. Yeah, but ultimately, and and if it limits their growth and and yeah. the industry and whether that and limiting industry growth is a good thing or a bad thing, and could we could probably debate for a few hours. Right? <laughs> yeah, a couple of weeks of this show we just yeah. combined all of our thirty minute segments together. All right. But and the final thing I wanted to sort of put that in context of of, and of hotels. So Smith Travel Research (STR) put it in, uh, released their year-end numbers. So hotels generated 189 billion dollars uh, uh, at 148 dollar ADR, uh, 1.2 billion uh, room nights sold. So and as fast as growing as the short-term rental industries and is and and we're still taking share uh, away from hotels, uh, albeit at a much slower rate. And, and it's still about 20% uh, our industry, short-term rental industry compared to the, the hotel industry. And we expect in our forecast of demand, their forecast of demand, and we may be growing and pulling back another percent of share over 2023, but it's uh, nothing like and that hotels are starting to sort of eat the, eat it, eat our lunch or and that sort of shifting back uh, given the, and sort of some of the broader pushback we've seen of from guests towards short terminals. The, the broader pushback on that subject has, has been around fees, primarily cleaning fees. Um, do you have any early indicator data from the cleaning fees? You know, we talked about this maybe two months back. Yeah. Um, Sonder has wiped cleaning fees from their listings, which just means their ADRs are higher. Like it's, it's all a bit silly in my mind, you know, a hotel could break out their costs and say, this is a cleaning fee. This is an OTA fee. This is a like, you know, resort fee, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as a consumer, it is nice to see the all in cost, especially before you click a button to go look at the costs, right? Uh, that is that's a little annoying, but any initial data, Jamie, on uh, where cleaning fees? Yeah, so we're, I'm definitely looking at it every month. Uh, right now, we're at about 15% of listings in the U.S. do not have a cleaning fee. Uh, so it's and it's and it, it can vary wildly by market. There are certain markets that just like and traditionally haven't had cleaning fees, and other ones that uh, traditionally have. Uh, it. When we look at Europe, still most units don't have a cleaning fee. Uh, so it's uh, there's sort of different cut dichotomies and, and uh, sort of norms uh, that play out. Uh, but in the U.S., it's still and almost all listings have a cleaning fee. And, and given that Airbnb's sort of making it easy for the guests to see it different ways, not sort of forcing the host to remove their cleaning fees, well, I, I guess we'll see whether it sort of more broadly catches on. And and one thing we know, and, and Brian talked about it, Chesky on their earnings calls, they, they're trying to give hosts different incentives to get rid of their cleaning fee. So allowing them to move further up uh, in the search rankings. Uh, so I guess we'll see if and more and more people and see themselves further down in the rankings and I mean, if they test going all in pricing and that moves them back up, whether that sort of I mean, convinces more people to go uh, all in on prices. 
I was telling you, Jamie, before we got into this recording, we tried it. And, oh, we didn't try it. Well, okay, let me backtrack. We did try. We took away our cleaning fee. We embedded it into be like behind the scenes, mm-hmm. increase our ADRs, all that stuff. No, nothing. Yeah. So even and we're active on revenue management. You know, we do yield manage every day, every week, and all that stuff. So it's like, okay, is it actually helping your listing push up to the top? We didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the day. I don't know if it's working or if the guests really care, but they do care. I don't know. Cause like, if you're, if you think about it now, they're seeing higher rates. If they stayed with you once before they stayed in that market before now they're seeing a house that was $150 a night plus a $150 cleaning fee is now two forty or two, whatever. And now it's like, do I, why, why is it so much higher? That's what's probably going through their head. So yeah. I don't know if it actually helped at all, but maybe other operators are seeing success with it compared to us. But we did it across Washington state, Pennsylvania, and Florida, and we didn't see anything happen. So kind of a, a different approach. The, 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 then maybe that points out the other thing. And they talked about was uh, your value scores, uh, which is <laughs> my head just so backwards that if you're uh, uh, actually doing real revenue management, yield management, and, and overall getting lower value scores, that's going to pull you down. And when maybe some of the other scores are more important in the end for guest satisfaction. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, I was going to let you finish the thought. Um, So the the metrics that we've seen through COVID where obviously business travel is significantly compressed compared to leisure. Um, Two questions on that. Is business travel recovering in a significant way or a real way? Mm-hmm. And is the average business traveler extending their stay for leisure? Or is this just kind of a talking point that some people like to make up? Yeah. And yes and yes is <laughs> the short answers. Uh, so we're, we're finally seeing uh, business travel and travel to sort of urban markets, core, urban core centers, and recover in a meaningful way. Uh, at the beginning of uh, 2022, we were still like 28% off in terms of demand recovery. Now we're, it's like 10% off. Uh, so we're, I'm close to a full recovery um, of demand in sort of the urban cores. Uh, a big piece is supplies finally coming back. So on the supply side, available listings in urban markets is only 5% below 2019 levels. Uh, so people are finding a way to get listings back in a lot of these major cities. Uh, it's primarily happening outside of the major gateways. So it's, and it's Houston and Dallas and Phoenix instead of um, um, it, uh, New York, San Francisco, Boston, and LA. Uh, and I think a big piece of that is still regulation. Uh, and then uh, average lengths of stays are, are still staying um, pretty long in those urban and suburban areas. Um, we see more people sort of extending out into the Monday, Thursday range where before maybe they just would have gone for the weekend. And that's also where we're saying the sort of midterm stays Um uh, so stays uh, 28 days or longer um, is primarily, and it's, it's only a phenomenon happening in the, in the urban markets. 
not, we're not seeing that really at all in in sort of beach or mountain destinations. Really, um, I would have thought the leisure would have been. Well, I guess it makes sense. You you're not really often traveling to Breckenridge for business, <laughs> uh, but are I guess are those length of stays still longer with the work from home trend? Okay, I'm the. They're longer in that you go to Destin for a week. Uh, you don't go for a long weekend. Uh, so they were longer pre-COVID. They're longer today. But we don't see that they've like extended longer. We Broadly, the lengths of stays are still pretty much the same. Really? Uh, and we don't see a lot of change in booking behavior there. Uh, and obviously, we saw more people going to those destinations and occupancies and extend. Uh, get significantly higher, but and the a- actual change in booking behaviors primarily happen in the cities, and you, and you saw it during COVID, and you still see it and to extent today uh, of people going and to a city staying for a month or more. If they're going for uh, a long weekend, they're gonna and and make it a longer weekend uh, because they do have the flexibility to to work remote. So this is probably pretty old data and it was, it's from memory recall. I don't have it in front of me, so excuse me, but maybe 2017, 2018, it was the average hotel stay was 1.4 nights. The average Airbnb stay was like 2.4 and the average Verbo stay or, or home away at that mm-hmm. point was like 4.2. Yeah. How how much of those shifted, or is it still pretty similar? Yeah, the I don't have the and I've got industry averages. I don't have them broken out by channel, but overall industry average we're seeing and like it's like three and a half. Um, and that and when I break it out by location type, you sort of ex- extending in the Airbnb type market, so large cities. And then broadly, roughly the same in the in the Verbo type markets and in coastal markets. It's still about four and a half uh, uh, nights is the average stay, and that's that's pretty similar. So I'd expect those Verbo numbers are pretty similar. On their earning calls, they get asked it by um, the banks, the Wall Street analysts, like, "Are you seeing the extended stays that Airbnb seeing?" seeing? And and they point blank and said, "No, we're not seeing it. We, we don't understand how they're getting it, but we're not getting it." Yeah, they're, they're getting their listings on Zillow, just like they used to on Craigslist, I guess. You know, <laughs> um, a couple year-long stays help the averages big time. Um, awesome. Well, Will, do you want to shift gears? Well I, know, well, I know we had a question coming from Caleb Hannon with Stay Lake Norma. Um, you know, do you think the cleaning pushback was just a, a trend or a fad on social media? Um, I, I think it was kind of we don't see as much of it anymore on on socials where people are dogging airbnb like hosts and cleaning fees and all that stuff but uh you know not to bring back this topic that we've discussed a couple times but i don't know it's just kind of interesting to see it come and go the way it has yeah and i i think it helps that airbnb's actually and tried to do something about it to at least give them and something to talk about in the media Mm -hmm. uh uh cleaning fees have gone up and <laughs> they've gone up like 35% over the past three years and everything and all prices are going up. I, I think it's totally understandable 
why hosts are, are charging more for cleaning. Uh, we've talked about that. So, uh, and labor costs are going up uh, for leisure and hospitality employees. That's, that's, I think driving ADRs up in hotels, like hotel ADRs were up substantially this past year. Uh, uh, the amount of cleaning that goes into most of these properties and the expectation has gone way up. So uh, I'm, th that's, I'm, I think there, uh, I'm glad that Airbnb's at least testing going to all-in pricing. Um, but and in the end, I think guests are going to probably choose and properties where and they they see a cheaper rate at the beginning um, and get through the booking process and 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 then still stick with it even though they see that hundred dollar cleaning fee pop in at the end. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, people are still going to look at the all in price, and yeah. it might be a bit annoying to get there, um, but. I mean, I've, I've done it countless times. Oh, that's a great price on Airbnb. Click, click. No way. <laughs> look at hotel, right. Like it, it, it is a, a turn off as a consumer and it's not even necessarily the, the host's fault. It's Airbnb's fault for not showing kind of all in price from the get go. I don't care if it's broken out or compressed. I just want to see the price before I get, two more clicks down the road and I'm actually comparing properties because one property might be listed for 150, another for 150, but you click the same, you click into them and one's now 375 and the other is 220. So just show the all in costs. And I think at the end of the day, uh, consumers are, are fine. Yeah. yeah. And I also think a big piece of it was just how i attractive short-term rentals got during the pandemic that, and we start getting back to people traveling for business and they're like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll stay in an SDR again. And then, and they're only going for one or two nights. And it's like, Oh, like it's still the same hundred dollar, $150 cleaning fee and staying for one night doesn't actually make sense for a short-term rental. And most of the industry is still individual hosts, which don't want one or two night stays. Uh, so maybe it's a, a piece of just and and self and industry so, sort of self weeding itself out of we don't want one and a half day stay on averages that hotels have and if it's it's someone staying for one or two nights like and you're, you're probably best staying in a in a hotel or or at least a more professional apartment style operator and that is that is geared for that like like Brandy and Sexton say is like they've got sort of scale in, in certain buildings where they can cut cleaning fees. They can clean them super efficiently and compete with hotels where most operators just can't do that. Well, the, the other psychological piece is during COVID you could justify paying more for a cleaning fee, even though it's the same cleaning fee because yeah. you're telling yourself, well, I'm paying more, but I'm getting more. But the reality is nine out of 10 of those people, you're not getting any more, uh, you know, cleaning standards than you were six months ago and you were six months in the future. Mm -hmm. So, but now that those fears have subsided, there is that, uh, there's no rational justification for it anymore. And that's when people get upset. Well, speaking of Brandy, I think she heard you talking about her because 
She pops up right here. <laughs> Got a shirt and everything. I know. I'm ready. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. We were talking about you, so I'm hoping your ears were burning. Did you, did you, they did were. you hear a ring? I just, All right. Cool. Yep. And then immediately got to the computer. So you're really late. It's 26 <laughs> minutes into the show, Brandy. <laughs> I know. You know, I feel like maybe I just didn't get my calendar invite or something. So it's Will's fault. Man, our produ- <laughs> our produ- our show producer sucks. You see how quickly she spun that on you, Will? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I also gotta say, Jamie, um, I have a I have a little special link for you where you can get a shirt and a mug at no cost for GMH, obviously, because you're a co-host. So I'll make sure that you get that after this call. Um <laughs> May have may have dropped the ball on that one too. I, I, we got to find a new producer for this show. It's been it's been it's getting bad. Well, it's I great to it. be on the show with Jamie. I don't think the four of us have been on a show together, so this is fun, even yeah. if it's yeah. just for a few minutes. <laughs> I was gonna say I think we need to do this more often. Next time Jamie's on, we'll just have Brandy, Michael on, and maybe I'll just sit in the back, drink coffee, and find a better producer. Yeah, lurk in the background. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we, we wanted to bring Brandy on for a quick special announcement. And I think, you know, it's been something we've been working on for a while and we haven't been able to, well, I can't say that. It's been a very, very long road for this show. We celebrated two years, over a hundred episodes. We got Brandy and Jamie joining us for, uh, either a monthly special or three times a month, whatever the, the cadence looks like. And it's been really exciting to see all the milestones happen. And I wanted to have everyone on so we could share that we are finally and, uh, and proudly sponsored by TravelNet Solutions starting next week. So we're going to be working with them uh, very closely over the coming months and bringing out lots of good content and lots of good messaging towards both hotels and vacation rentals. But obviously... We all know where we uh, all kind of lie when it comes to those topics. And so, yeah, that's the big, big announcement. We made it. Finally. I did it. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah, was it. Brandy exciting. came on for, for two minutes just to be a part of that announcement. <laughs> thanks for joining, Brandy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. I, I wanted to, I would feel, I would have serious FOMO if, if I wasn't here. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Jamie, we got to get you to the studio. You got to read some scripts. You're going to have to, you know, start pulling some of that uh, weight for the sponsorship. Okay. Just an FYI. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and we got April. <laughs> April, April really. shirt and mug on in. <laughs> hey, you're, you're getting one right away. But uh, any closing thoughts or notes for you guys, Brandy? I don't know if you got to listen to the whole episode or if you were just listening at the end, but any comments to add to what we've been talking about? Well, I thought it was I this whole the cleaning fee, Airbnb showing the pricing, all of that. It's been like I my feelings on it are always like very I get like feisty about it because people I like the cost of what it takes to clean these units. I don't know if people think that it's just free. I don't know, or that it's a cheap labor. I do understand that it is frustrating when you get to the end of a booking process and it's, you know, the price is double what you thought it was going to be. Uh, But then when people are like, they got rid of the cleaning fee, like they didn't get rid of the cleaning fee. It's all just in the price. And so, I mean, it's all psychological. Um, It'll just be interesting. It's always funny, like the backlash at Airbnb and it's like Airbnb doesn't control the cleaning fees at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, except for showing them. So I just think how it should, which is pretty much the psychological part of the entire thing 
Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it'll be we're, right now. Ours are not bundled yet, but we do pay for the service fee. So it's, you know, we're, we're helping out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> more than most, more than most. More than most. Yeah. Well, uh, Jamie, anything exciting coming up in your world with air DNA with conferences? I know you're at IMN. Um, what, what's next on the line for you? Yeah, I was with uh, Brandy out at IMN uh, in March. Uh, I'm speaking at one of the big hotel conferences. Uh, so the Hunter Hotel Investment Conference. It would be mm-hmm. fun for me getting back into my uh, hotel uh, uh, environment again. So we'll be on stage with uh, STR, Calgary Labs, and, and CBRE. So excited about that. I'll be out at Verma uh, Spring Forum uh, in Kansas City. Um, yeah, and then um, one of my colleagues will be out at TCRA. Um, uh, this is sort of a DMO forum. Uh, so they do a whole research forum, which is pretty fun. Um, so we'll, we'll be out there. Will we be seeing you at Scale Rentals in May in Barcelona? Uh, maybe. Uh, I know I'm going to be out in June for Focus Right Europe in Barcelona. With, uh, so we'll, we'll see if my wife lets me go out, uh, twice. <laughs> That's fair. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, uh, this was a good episode. Thanks for again, uh, joining us again on. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Obviously, uh, you bring a lot of insight and a lot of good knowledge and numbers outside of our opinions that we have. So it's good to see that our opinions can sometimes line up with the data. Um, uh, but yeah, no, it's always been great to, to talk with you and to have you on the show. Thanks again for having me and awesome seeing you, Brandy. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) twice in two weeks, this is a record. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Well, thank you everyone for tuning into the live. We hope you catch the recording. If you don't like, and subscribe already to good morning hospitality on Apple, Spotify, you name it, then go do it. And we'll see you guys again next Monday. (laughs) 